Are you thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Are you thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning? It's a good day to be together. That was absolutely beautiful, Jessica. Amazing job. Are you thankful for our worship team too? Just even today, just... There's something powerful, thank you very much. There's something powerful about not just a talented team, but an anointed team. And that means so much more. I'll take heart and anointing over talent any day. And uh, you probably have noticed by now I'm not Pastor Ethan. <laughs> Shocker. And I uh, just wanna say this again, I'm, I'm honored to, to be speaking to you guys today. If you, we haven't met before, my name's Josiah, and I serve on pastoral staff here. And I'm from Ohio too, and I'm an Ohio boy. And that's why I have the Snuggie up here, because I'm getting cold. <laughs> but uh, I'm really honored, you know, anytime I have an opportunity to preach the word of the Lord, I'm so honored to get to do that. And I wanna thank Pastor Ethan uh, for giving me this opportunity to speak to you guys. And as you know, we've been, uh, we just started last week with good old Sweet Home Alabama. We started our summer concert series and and what we're doing is we're going to be taking songs throughout this month and going to be breaking them down and giving you biblical truths that you can apply to your life. Does that sound good? So we're gonna be doing some of that together today and that song was called I Hope You Dance. I Hope You Dance. This was a song that was really big, especially in the early 2000s. I remember cruising down the road and, and just singing it with a tear. I'm, I wasn't crying, I didn't cry, guys. We always joke around in my household, I have one tear to squeeze out a year, and like I gotta be really specific what tear squeezes out of my eyes. But this was a song that was written by Mark D. Sanders and Tia Sillers, and it was performed by Leanne Womack and the Sons of the Desert. It's called I Hope You Dance, and they won actually in 2001, they won the Country Music Association Award for Single of the Year. It was the best song of that year. I Hope You Dance actually reached two million sales, Mark, in the United States in October of 2015, so it's a pretty popular song. So you probably recognize it, even if you didn't know the words. But I wanted to just let you know just about a few of these different things and the, the perspective the the narrator is coming from in this song, and this, this is the, what they choose to express or wish to express, is that when she sings a song, it's her wishes to her unknown self. In other words, who she hopes to be, or who she wishes to be. Verse two, you heard Jessica sing it, says, I hope you never fear those mountains in the distance. You never settle for the path of least resistance. Living might mean taking chances, but they're worth taking. Loving may be a mistake, but it's worth making. Don't let some hell-bent heart leave you bitter, but when you come close to selling out, reconsider. Give the heavens above more than just a passing glance and what I'm going to be preaching of today, and when you get the choice to sit it out or dance, I hope you dance. You know, when I, I think about the life that we live, I think about two different camps of people. Those that are defeatists and those that are 
optimists, those that are fear-filled, and those that are fearless. Those that can give up, but those that press in. Those that are doubtful, but those that embrace possibilities. Those that aren't scared of the unknown, but they relish in the adventure. Those that sit it out, or those that dance. And when I, I speak this message to you, my, my hope is this, my desire for you today is this, that you would be challenged to take chances, to live in open, fulfilling, daring, spirit-filled, and victorious life. How many of you would say that's the kind of life I wanna live? I wanna live that kind of life. I hope you dance. When I think about this song, and we're going to get into some scripture today, I think that there are many things that we are susceptible to that, that cause us to stop the dance, that cause us to remain still, whereas once you dreamed, now you don't anymore. Whereas once you had hope for the future, you're hopeless. There, there are things in life that will cause you to stop dancing. Have you ever experienced a moment in life where you realize that you, you just stopped dancing? You, you just stopped moving, you stopped hoping, you, you stopped dreaming, you stopped wishing for what God's best was for your life. You, you just, you stopped Dancing. I want to talk about a man in scripture that I believe did not stop dancing. He, his name is David. And David knew what it was like to dance even though difficulties arose, even though times of trouble happened to him. David encountered a lot of trouble. David kept on dancing. We're going to open up the scripture in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 15. I'm gonna start right there. It says this, it says, So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy. Let me just give you some perspective here. At this point, the ark of the covenant of God had not been in Jerusalem for a long time. This was a time of celebration because the enemy had taken it time and time again. The Ark of the Covenant, which represented the, the tangible presence of God, was coming back to the city of Jerusalem. This, this Ark of the Covenant, and that's when we pick up this story. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the Ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, this is key here, Michal, not Michael, the daughter of Saul looked down from her window. She looked down. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing, somebody say dancing. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. Contempt for him. Uh, other translations would say she detested David, that, that she couldn't stand the sight of what was happening. 
And we follow up in verse 20, it says, when David returned home to bless his own family after all the celebration, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and she said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. And I just want you to understand this for a second. David wasn't naked in the streets, okay? So if he was naked, McCall would have a reason to be like, I'm mad at you right now. What happened was David was removing his kingly robes, his outer garment, his status, what made him who he was. He set it down in the presence of the Lord and was dancing. He was dancing before the Lord. David retorted to McCall, I love this. He's like, woman, I can just imagine. Woman, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father. He starts to, he goes for it. And all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Can I say that again? I celebrate before the Lord. And then he goes on to say this. This is key, you all. Yes, and I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. How powerful is that? That, you know, the Bible, oftentimes you read it, I don't even need to over-preach this. It just preaches itself. Because there are things that you will encounter that will try to convince you not to dance. But sometimes something needs to well up inside of you. Say, nonetheless, I'll be a little more undignified than this. Because you don't know how good my God is. You don't know how faithful my God is. You don't know how trustworthy my God is. You don't know what he's brought me through. David says, I'm going to be a little more undignified if it's okay with you, McCall. And in this moment, David makes a choice. But, you know, something I realized, even when I was studying this scripture earlier this week, and never really stuck out to me, was David was very good. In fact, David made a lifestyle of removing things that stood in the way of his purpose. All through, all through the Bible, you see that, that David, whether it was at Ziklag, when David would mourn, David would, he tore his clothes. That, that David oftentimes, you know, with Saul, you see the armor of Saul. Saul tell, tells David, says, you need this armor in order to defeat Goliath. If you don't have this armor, you're going to be destroyed. David says, I can't use this. It doesn't work for me. David made a lifestyle of removing things that got in the way of his purpose. A, a lifestyle of that. David experienced victory, hear me today, in many areas of his life, not because of what he put on, but because of what he cast off of himself. Not because that he was all that and he put on. See, David, again, he's dancing before the Lord and he removes his kingly robes. He's humbling himself. David, the king of Israel, who had every reason to say I'm all that in a bag of chips, says no, 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 no. There's, there's one 
His name is the Lord and Savior, and he is above all, including me. You have to realize that you have to make, in order to live a victorious life, you have to get very good at removing things that weigh you down. Are you hearing me today? The, the, the things that will weigh you down that people can put on you? Am I talking to somebody today? That, that people will tell you like, hey, this is what you need in order to be successful. This is what you need in order to be noticed. This is what you need in order to be the best. And David just, no, no, it's not who I am. That's not who I'm called to be. Not who I'm called to be. In other words, his mission and his purpose was more important than his appearance. His mission and his purpose was more important than his appearance. How people saw him, he was only convinced of this. I only care about one who sees me. Audience of one. Audience of one, that's why he tells him a call. He's like, I'm not dancing for you. I'm not worried about what you think. Like, behind me. I'm not worried about what you think. I'm dancing for my Lord. And when I'm talking about the, the dance, I just wanna be clear to even all the men in the room. I'm not talking about coming up here and doing twirls and ballet moves. I'm talking about living a life where you don't allow things that are not meant to be on you to restrict you from accomplishing the purpose God has for you. That's what we're talking about today. Why do I have this Snuggie? A, because I'm cold. And I just said, you know what? Uh, do we have any other colors besides hot pink? They said no. I said, that's fine. We'll take what we can get. But I wanted to make a point here even today with this that we live in Mississippi, everybody. And in Mississippi, I don't know if you noticed, the past couple of days have been a little hot. I noticed. You know why I noticed? Because I made a mistake of running the other day in the afternoon because we can do that in Ohio. <laughs> and because, right, that's logical. And, you know, we all got to sweat out all the toxins. And I ate a couple honey buns the other day and felt guilty and had to sweat it out. I didn't realize how much sweat. I didn't realize that when I went running, that I would just be sweating and I almost felt like, I'm like, I'm gonna pass out. Luckily, I drank like a liter and a half of water and it saved my life. I'm convinced of it on that soccer field. But here's what I wanna bring us to. If I was to go out in the Mississippi heat in this Snuggie, well, it's comfortable in here. It's a little cold right now. But if I went in the Mississippi heat and I said, Pastor Aaron, I'm going out in a Snuggie and I don't care what people say, but I just know it's the right fit. I'm gonna die. I'm going to collapse and fall due to heat stroke. I'll have a heart attack. We'll all have a eulogy. Pastor Ethan will mourn. We'll all have that happen. And then we'll move on with our lives. But he died doing what was comfortable. Did you hear me today? You have to be very careful that you don't die to the purpose and vision of God because you're only interested in what's comfortable. 
because it will trip you up. Hear me today. It will cause you to stay stuck in comfort and delayed in purpose because you will be so convinced that it's just like, it's, oh, just so, so nice. Anybody ever had a weighted blanket? Anybody have a weighted blanket in here? I have a weighted blanket at home and that thing, when I get under it, like don't disturb me because it's comfortable. And I don't wanna get up off the couch. If that thing's over me, I'm falling asleep. That's the way it goes. We have to be so careful, hear me today, church, that we don't get lackadaisical and we don't get absorbed in our own comfort that we miss out on God's best for our lives. We have to be so careful. David created a lifestyle of removing what was in the way. I wanna give us some, some key points, some things that I think are really critical to what we remove and what we need to remove because how many of you know that in order to have the best life, you kinda gotta pull some weeds? You, you have to do a daily kind of introspection of your life and just say, okay, that's not good, I need to remove that and that wasn't so great and I shouldn't have said that and you know what, my heart needs to be in alignment again and life is this constant merry-go-round of saying, what do I need to remove and take off? What do I need to get rid of? And I wanna start with one of these four critical things I think that we need to get rid of, and that is first that in order to dance, we need to defy fear. Defy fear. The, the lyric said, it said, never fear those mountains in the distance. Never fear those Mountains in the distance. You know, God mentions in scripture, fear not, hundreds of times. I would say it's very important because oftentimes fear will immobilize us and will convince us. Have you ever spoken to somebody and you talk to them and all you hear is fear? It's actually exhausting. You talk to them and you're like, I don't even know how you get anything done. You're, you're so fearful. And, and I've seen this happen in, in life with Christians that are immobilized by fear because they're convinced that everything on, that they are not in control of, everything that they cannot get their hands around is against them. Or, or everything that is, you know, again, not in control that somehow they take a problem and make it bigger than their God. That the God of the universe somehow is smaller than your problem. We have to be careful that we don't get frozen in fear and we don't allow ourselves, hear me today, to think that our problems are bigger than our God. That our problems, that what you face, yes, you may have fearful days and the world is crazy and, and, and things are happening and things are unstable, but one thing I do know, that he who is faithful is still remains. He's still God. I don't care what you have to face, he's still on the throne. He's still who he says he is. Billy Graham said this, he said, fear can paralyze us and keep us from believing God and stepping out in faith. The devil loves a fearful Christian. He loves a fearful Christian. So what if 
we change the narrative, what if we allow ourselves not to just so quickly give into fear, but before we do that, we get into his word, we get into prayer. First Timothy, I've said it before, but I love the scripture, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. You see, it's not because of your power. It's not, it's not, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. It has everything to do with God who is in control. And there is nothing, hear me today, there is nothing that takes him off guard. There is nothing that, that catches him by surprise. It's the fear. Isaiah 41.10 says this, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Isn't that encouraging today? I will strengthen you and help you and I will uphold you with my righteous hand. I pray that over people many times, but sometimes it's important to pray it over ourselves. He says, I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. I will keep you afloat. I will keep you in a place of strength. I will uphold you. Don't be dismayed. Don't be distraught. I know when we look at the news sometimes, fear can take root. I know that when we look at the stock market, sometimes fear can take root. When we look at the morality of our nation, sometimes fear can take root. But hear me today, greater is he. I said greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's nothing you face, there's nothing you face that cannot be overcome. That's the God we serve. You know what I hate about fear? Fear just steals your joy. I hate that about fear. You talk to people long enough and when they don't have joy, oftentimes you can root it down to fear. Fear, fear is a powerful motivator. Fear leads to doubt and doubt actually leads to insecurity. Some of the most insecure people you find in life are, are fearful people. They're afraid of what people think afraid of what people would say, afraid of themselves, afraid of stepping out in faith. And hear me today, our, our overthinking, if you get yourself into a, a, a pattern of fearful thinking, can paralyze your decision making. Your decision making. I know people that for 10, 15 years, haven't made an important life decision because fear has them stuck. Fear has them rooted in something they never should have been. But again, God's vision and his plan for you, hear me today, is that you would be an overcomer. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. More than conquerors. That doesn't mean that you just conquer something. That means you obliterate it. You destroy it. You're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Bible talks about overcoming. We have to overcome. Speaking of overcoming, the second point I wanna bring us to is overcome complacency. 
Overcome complacency. The song lyric says, never settle for the path of least resistance. Never settle for the path of least resistance. I, if we were to look at the story of David, I, I don't think David ever chose the easy way. It was the right way, but it wasn't the easy way. What can happen over time is we can start to settle. We can start to settle in our lives instead of God's best. God's best for you is that you wouldn't get complacent. That, that you wouldn't get lukewarm, that you wouldn't just be like, ah, like uh, in and out, just a little bit here and there. But that something would well up on the inside of you would say like, I'm willing to step out and like, I can't be comfortable because comfort and complacency are twins. But I, I can't allow myself to get in this complacent thought pattern. I have to understand that I cannot settle here the Bible has story after story of people who wanted to settle in a land that they were not meant to be in. Did you hear that today? There are times where you think it's time to settle because it's easy to settle. It's easy to settle. I mean, for all of us, it's easy to not put in the work. It's easy, I'm, I'm scared, can I just be a little real today? It's easy to come to church and not serve. I can say that, Pastor Ethan, I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's easy, it's easy. And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that in a condemning way, I'm saying that to discharge something up on the inside of you that would say, like listen, there's more to this life than just fill in the blank. There's more to this than just there has got to be more. In fact, if there wasn't more, I don't know if I would be interested in this for me. But our God is so big and so expansive and so powerful. And we relegate it to, well, that's good enough. Good enough. Well, he's not a good enough God. He's a great God. He's not a good enough God. He's a great God. It's who he is. But complacency has a way of creeping in because complacency is just, it's just, you just get in a pattern. You just get stuck in this pattern. You can settle very easily. Ephesians says this, it says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us, within you, to accomplish infinitely, infinitely more than we might ask or think. So in other words, if you allow him to, if you allow him, hear me today, if you allow him to do his best work within you and stretch you further beyond your natural capacity. You see, we think in terms of our, the physical, like this is my capacity. Well, God doesn't think in those terms. He's not worried about your capacity, he's worried about your availability. Your availability to say, God, use me however you see fit. God, use me, use me to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. In other words, start dreaming again. I said start dreaming again. Start, start having hope again. 
church. Don't, don't let the things of this world cast you under, but, but have hope and, and dream and, and feel again and allow God to do something miraculous in your life, amen? Next point is to remove bitterness. This is a tough one. Before, you, before you, you're like, this is the best, this is the toughest. Remove bitterness. The, the lyric says, don't let some hell-bent heart leave you bitter. Bitterness, that when you allow bitterness to take root, you start to condemn. Here's, here's the funny part. When you allow bitterness to take root, you start to condemn other people who are dancing. Because it makes you feel, it makes you feel like, oh man, they're doing that, and if they're doing that, it's putting pressure on me, and it's making me feel inadequate, and if, if I feel inadequate, then, then uh, you know, they need to feel inadequate. And if I feel depressed, then they need to feel depressed. And if I feel angry, they need to feel what I feel. How dare they dance? when they're facing all these things. Don't they understand we're in a recession? Like, don't they understand that our country is, you know, my dad would say, a country's going to hell in a handbasket? Who are they to dance? And what happens, just like McCall, you start to call out somebody's dance, and you start to make assumptions, and you start to say, who are they to dance? Who are they to dance? They, they've been through a divorce. How should they be able to dance again? Don't you know how they've lived and, and now they're dancing and they're, and they're living this victorious life? It's not fair. Because when other people start dancing, it starts to make you feel like, why am I not dancing? If they're dancing, why am I not dancing? You see, McCall wasn't concerned even essentially about, she wasn't concerned as much about David dancing as much as David, when he danced, and this is what was required of him, he had to remove his keenly garments. In other words, it made McCall seem lower by default. McCall started thinking like, because you did this, it makes me feel this way. Mm-hmm. McCall started getting up in his grill because McCall started to think like, what you're doing, it, it, it's, it's undignified. It's, 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 it's below you, it's, it's beneath you. You have to be so careful, let me just even say this, when you condemn somebody's dance. Because when you go and say like, I just don't understand it, Pastor Josiah, how could they? And I don't know why we do this, and why do they have joy, and why do they have joy unspeakable, and it's just too, it's not your job to be the judge of their dance. It's your job to get up, get off your seat, and dance yourself. Allow some freedom to work within your heart and get up and dance. Get up and dance. Don't worry about what anybody else is dancing. Get up and dance yourself. I'm not saying someone's gonna get up here and just do a jig. I'm not saying that, like everyone calm down. I'm saying get up and dance. 
Don't be so quick to judge. Know what's so profound about this scripture? Later on in scripture, we find out this, that because McCall accused David of something, and because McCall was on his case, it says actually God closed her womb. McCall never had a child. Isn't that profound? That you can be so concerned about the blessing of somebody else that God will actually say, you know what, I removed blessing off of your life because you're not even ready for what I have for you. You're not even ready for it. Says her womb closed up. She never had a child, everybody. Never had a kid. God said, that's fine, you can have your way, but I'm just gonna allow this to happen to you. That's the danger of getting in this, and, and I don't know about you, but I wanna be in a place where I celebrate other people, where I see somebody, something happens in their life and a marriage is restored, and I'm like, go God, let's go. This is so good. When I see somebody that is off of addiction, I say, this is amazing, you're doing great, and I celebrate it. We have to be a church that celebrates the wins of other people. You have to be, like, get your selfishness out of the way and celebrate what God is doing in the hearts of other people. I promise you, he will bless you for it. You'll be blessed because of celebrating somebody's blessing. Promise you that. It's scriptural. It's all throughout the Bible. All throughout the Bible. David even, too, and I'm not gonna go too far off because we gotta close, but David David was very good at celebrating other people even when other people were telling them they didn't deserve it. David actually honored Saul. When other people said, it's time to take Saul's life, David said, no, 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 no. Not gonna do it. It's not my place. It's not my place. David, again, David made a habit, hear me today, of taking off, removing things that were trying to be placed on him and say, no, 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 that's not God's plan for my life. Some of you guys need to remove bitterness off of your hearts because it's causing you to miss out on the blessings of God. The very blessings of God. To remove bitterness. Whereas bitterness and unforgiveness, they're, they're best friends to each other. Bitterness is... This insane thing in Hebrews, it says this, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it, many become defiled. By it, many become defiled. So hear this, you may think your bitterness just affects you. I'm here to tell you today that your bitterness affects those around you. Either they will be repelled by it and they won't be around you or they'll be drawn to it and they'll get bitter themselves. Your bitterness is contagious and has to be aggressively, I'll say that word again, aggressively removed. That when you start to sense, and we're all susceptible to this, when you start to sense something welling up on the inside of your heart that like, I think that's a bitter thought. You know, oh man, that's, that's envy and self, like that's, I, I'm starting to like, I'm starting to see them differently. It's bitterness, like my, my, my lens, my view is changing. You may have to get a little aggressive, a, a little aggressive with the removal of bitterness and say, God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart. That's one of my favorite Scriptures in Psalms, Psalms 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. 
What a prayer that is. You would say, God, keep my heart clean. Babe Ruth said this, the loudest booze come from the cheapest seats. <laughs> the Bishop Babe Ruth, the Reverend Babe Ruth, the loudest booze come from the cheapest seats. So if you're the loudest boo, I'm like looking at the camera. If you're the loudest boo, you may be sitting in the cheapest seat, meaning you have no, there's, there's no skin in the game. You, you accuse, but you're not doing anything. What did you see they did in it? Like, man, I wish they would do this differently, and I wish, listen, guys, you can't, you can't fool people with that. Loudest booze come from the cheapest seats. Can we move on to the last one as we wrap up today? Are you, are you still with me today? This final point as we get ready to wrap up is this. Reconsider giving up. Reconsider giving up. This is the most profound lyric to me personally in this song that we heard today was, when you come close to selling out, reconsider. Think twice before you throw in the towel and give up. I was reminded of a story. Jensen Franklin actually created a whole book off of this story, but I, I think it rings true for what we're talking about today. But there was a, a farmer who owned a plot of land, and I'm gonna go through it pretty quick, but what, he owned this plot of land and it was rough soil and it was, it was tough and he really had a vision. What he really wanted to do was plant and harvest and he's just a farmer. And well, the, the ground was so rocky and the, the soil was so, it wasn't conducive to farming and over time, this farmer, as much as he tried to till the earth, as much as he tried to get things moving, this, it, it just didn't happen. And he, he lost faith, gave up. He, he made a call, he, he made a choice, made a choice to give up. He said, I'm done with this land. He, he sold it to another man. This man was out in the, the field after he had bought this field and was looking over it and trying to get an idea of what was to come for that field. And he knew he'd, he'd bring some value out of it. But then he finds in the field, he, he looks down and, and he sees something that doesn't look like soil. Doesn't look like a normal rock. He, he leans down, he picks it up and in fact, it's an unformed diamond. Unformed, unpolished, but it's a diamond. That's worth the value of his field. Come to find out he's on a field of diamonds. He is on a field where there is so much blessing and so much to be had and so much to till up. But one guy who just said, you know, I give up, didn't see the value because he was looking at it the wrong way. We can do that. I can do that. 
that you miss out on the blessings of God that are right in front of your face because you're so concerned about what's next. And it doesn't work out for you. What if, instead of thinking like, oh man, this didn't work out, what if you start thinking God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose? To change the narrative, to see the acres of diamonds, the, the, the value that's in that, that like, God, I may be in this field and I don't know what you're doing, but I do know that there's value in what I'm doing here. And God, I just ask you, just help me to see. Help me not to settle. Help me to reconsider giving up. I felt this strongly in my heart for some people today. You've thought time and time again, I'm giving up. I'm giving up on my dreams. God planted a seed in my heart. I, I, I felt it and I, I knew there was a dream and, the, and I, I lost sight of it some, somehow. And I lost hope and I'm ready to give up. I'm here to tell you today at 10.09 a.m., don't give up. Reconsider. I said reconsider giving up today. Allow God to charge you up again, to challenge your heart again. Don't give up. One of my favorite scriptures in Galatians, it says, and let us not grow weary of well-doing or doing good for in due season, we will reap the harvest if we do not, if we do not give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't, don't give in. Don't allow the weight of the world to cause you to think, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I found myself in a place like that at one time in my life. I remember, Whitney could attest to this. I knew I was called to full-time ministry. And it just wasn't working out the way I thought it would. And everything within me wanted to give up. And ultimately, I, I made a few decisions that was kind of some Jonah decisions. I ran away, but God brought me back. I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for something on the inside that God was to say, Josiah, don't give up. Press in deeper. I know it's tough. I know it's difficult, but you gotta press in. Don't allow your joy to be stolen. Don't allow these things to get in the way. Don't give up because in due season, you guys, I am telling you, I am reaping the benefits today because of what God has done. God is so good. He's so good. So my question to you today as we get ready to wrap up, are you going to sit it out? Or are you going to dance? Simple question, but very deep. Question for all of us today, are you going to sit it out? Are you going to put yourself on the bench? Or are you going to get up in here, in my spirit, in my heart, and dance again? Dance again. Some marriages in this room, you need to start dancing again. 
You need joy to enter your life again. Some of you, you guys, you've allowed your heart to get calloused. You need to allow that stony heart to get soft again. You need to dance again because circumstances in life just have a way of just paralyzing you. Just keeps you still. Just puts you in a place where you just, you just don't want to. But I'm here to tell you today, you can dance again. You can dance again. Those in the back today, you can dance again. God is with you so you can dance again. It's not contingent on you so you can dance again. It's not just for you, so maybe it's time to dance again. When people see your dance, they're gonna wonder, something's different, something's different. I just, I wonder what would happen if we had a church that was full of people that danced again. Cause that's just like, it's completely anti-culture. Because anytime people get frustrated or hurt, they just stop dancing. And we could be like, I take a hit here and I take a blow here, but, but God, I'm still gonna dance. I'm still gonna move forward. I, that person may have hurt me, still gonna dance. I'm not gonna let it affect my dance. It's never about them in the first place. I'm gonna keep on dancing. In 1 Corinthians, I know I keep saying we're gonna close, but man, I just feel this moment for somebody. 1 Corinthians, it says, but it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. It's okay to dream. It's okay to think big, church. It's okay to think big. Sometimes we just think so small. Again, I think sometimes we relegate, we think God is small, but he's a big God. He's an expansive God. He's an awesome God. You have to start thinking big. Think big. Can we just stand to our feet today? Just want to give us a final challenge today. I wrote this down in my notes this morning. You know, we just got out of an untamed series that, that challenged us to be aggressive, to get outside of our comfort zones. And this story of David is so powerful because it even stood out to me so strongly this morning. I was, uh, I was just going through it again that McCall accuses David of doing something unreasonable. Like David, no, 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 if you were to do anything, do the reasonable thing. You can be out there, but keep your kingly robes on. Don't dance, don't make a fool of yourself. I'm here to tell you today, it's okay to be unreasonable. Stop being so reasonable. Stop allowing yourself to just think like, well, it's within reason. And I'm just gonna think like, maybe God, if you even just like, oh, just little prayers. God, if you would just, just get me through one more day. Start thinking big, church. Start thinking unreasonable. Because God doesn't deal in the reasonable. He deals in the supernatural. He's a powerful God. 
He deals in the unreasonable, the unthinkable. What you think He can't do, He will do. What you think He can't overcome, He will overcome. There are so many things. What if we said, I'm willing to be unreasonable. I'm willing to say, God, God, I want to be unreasonable. I don't, I'm sick and tired of reasonable people. Aren't you? Reasonable people. Pastor Tyson, I thought about this. What would have happened if you would have stopped dancing? You are a product. You are here today because you didn't let the things that could have stop the dance. Stop the dance. What would have happened? And I thought about the anointed worship and all these things. Isn't that just the way the devil works? He just wants to stop, he just wants to stop the dance. But I think we're getting ready, church, to be unreasonable. I think we're getting ready to, to step out in faith.